Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 579 of the Juicebox Podcast. All right, so Lindsay's been on the podcast before. She came on and did a How We Eat episode, and at the very end of it, she said something, and I just thought, oh, God, I got to have her back on. And I did, and I loved it, and I hope you do, too. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Have you been looking for the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes? Well, they begin at episode 210 right there in your podcast player. And you can also find a list of them at juiceboxpodcast.com. You click on the top, it says Diabetes Pro Tip. And that actually takes you to diabetesprotip.com, which I guess you could just type in if you wanted to, but it's all at juiceboxpodcast.com if you want it. It's just some redundancy there. Actually, at that link, you can also find the defining diabetes episodes, great reviews of the podcast, and so much more. Be honest with me. Are you dying to know what the episode title means? You're going to find out. My God, Lindsay's story is bananas. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. I'd just like to take one moment to thank everybody who's bought me a cup of coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash juice box podcast and tell you about the new members, Grace, Ashley, Amanda, Jess, Kate, Diane, someone who calls themselves someone, that's not a real name, Sue, Yoli, Sarah, Amy, Stephen, Connie, Anna, Laura, Marinda, Melanie, another someone, Corey, Jessica, Nancy, Sue, Shannon, Marilyn, Allison, Larissa, Melissa, Leah, Blue, Julie, Daniel, Jennifer, and Jeanette. Thank you all so much for supporting what I do at buymeacoffee.com forward slash juicebox podcast. All right. I am Lindsay. I am uh, from New Jersey, born and raised, still living here. Um, at this time, I'm 34 years old, and I've been type 1 diabetic since I was six. Also, have celiac disease. Um, I've been celiac since I was a teenager, um, and I'm currently wearing Omnipod and Dexcom. Cool. And you and I have already recorded together. Yes. Okay. Is that live? It is, right? No. Yeah, yeah. It is. That came out, oh gosh, I don't even remember, maybe in January. Okay. And at the very end of recording, I remembered thinking, it's a shame that this was about like how she eats and celiac and everything because there was so much like kind of richness to your story that we just didn't touch upon. And I think I might have like half jokingly said, you should come back on and we'll talk about that. And you were like, okay, so. And here I am. And here you are. So <laughs> um, let's first make sure I can tell people where to hear you talk about your, I, you said celiac since, and you paused for a second. And I was like, if she picks a date that rhymes with celiac, that's a t-shirt. <laughs> but then you just. That'd said, be amazing. Yeah. They, instead you were like teens and my brain was rushing. I was like, what, what? 
year <laughs> rhymes with celiac. There isn't one, right? Like I just I wanted there I wanted there to be one so badly when you started saying that just now. I was like, oh, this is gonna be amazing. And then uh not so much. I guess I could say uh I've been gluten free since ninety three. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> was it two thousand three? Um no, and I'm just trying to do the math in my head. <laughs> Never mind. It doesn't matter. I, I can't I can't figure that out right now. I had such uh like there was I don't know how to explain to everyone that it was only a tenth of a second, but in my mind it was a year, and I was like, I could, I could feel myself like closing my eyes, and I was praying, and I was like, oh my god, she's gonna say something at rhymes, and then I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna have an episode title and everything, and instead, no, nothing like that. You were not helpful at all. Um, I'm sorry, I couldn't give you the title. <laughs> you're sorry. I'm, I'm sorry that you're sorry, and I can't figure out what episode it is. Like, oh, I know why. It's because I'm like. I'm an idiot. That might be why. <laughs> <laughs> like looking in the completely wrong place instead of just doing what I know I can do very quickly. Oh, the episode number. Oh, you know it? Um, I could. Well, hold on. Let me look. Let's see if I can find it. I'm going to find it before you know. You probably are. <laughs> I'm, feeling, I'm feeling good about it. because I. Cause... All right. I got it. It's 439. Wait. How did you get it before me? I'm in a system that I'm in a system that lists all the (laughs) podcast episodes. Oh, I didn't hit enter. That's how. Damn it. Oh, that's that. Yeah, that'll do it. Damn. Hey, uh, you were 439. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Anyway, uh, there's a number of how we eat episodes. There's vegan, carnivore, plant-based, gluten-free, low carb. Um, Bernstein should be out by the time you hear this. And a number of others. So people come on and they talk about, you know, different reasons why they have to eat different ways. And and uh, Lindsay was nice enough to do that about gluten-free. So, but today, that's not what we're going to talk about. What we're going to talk about today is you're like a pirate or something. <laughs> not not quite. Can you just go with it for a second? I mean, what are you doing? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. I've done a lot of pirate type things, I guess you could say. Of course you have. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's just give a little brief overview first. You were diagnosed with type one when? When I was six years old. So 1992. 92. How old are you now? 34. 34. When you were on the gluten free episode, I chided your boyfriend about not asking you to marry him. But yes, that's happened. And that's happened. It just happened about two weeks ago. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. We're uh, super excited. Oh, this is the best time. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. Enjoy this part. This is like when you decide to buy a car and order it and <laughs> it takes a while for it to come. And so you get to live in this space where you haven't had to pay for it and it hasn't broken down yet. So you're just like, oh my God, this is the best. I'm going to get this car and it's so cool. and I'm going to love it. And then, yes. yeah, live in this. That is such a good um, comparison. I mean, everybody's so happy. Everybody is just texting and calling and it, it's just, it's so great. <laughs> it's a world of possibilities. Yes. It really is. It won't be for 20-some years before one of your children treats you horribly after you've devoted their, your entire life to them. And <laughs> well, we'll figure it out. Oh, oh, you will. Don't worry. <laughs> you absolutely will. What What made him – I mean, can I take any credit for this, I guess, is where I'm going? Like, did you get off the podcast and say, like, hey, a stranger over a microphone told me you really should ask me to get married? Um. He knew that you were giving him some, you were making some jokes during the podcast and 
uh, that's unfortunately that I can't give you any credit for it. Um, but you know, it's been something that we've been, we've been talking about for quite some time. So it really just was about timing and, um, we had a, a bunch of stuff to get done financially. We're just working on our home and, and doing a lot. So we actually were uh, away. We went down to Florida and, uh, he proposed on the beach. That's lovely. Yeah. It's way better time. than you pretending that it was my my doing the, the, the real story the real story is much better although this episode has the possibility of being um you could you could have said gluten-free since 93 yes i am a pirate and by the way you are the reason we're getting married and i guess we would have more excitement if that was any of that was true but I, that, yeah that would be just awesome i guess I, none of it is. I approve of that <laughs> so you what kind of um, management do you use right now pumping or injecting yep so um, I've been on Omnipod since almost since they came out. Um, I actually don't remember what year it was, but I think I had my trial pod in somewhere about 2006, 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still pretty new. And uh, yeah, been on it since. Um, love it. Have really no complaints. Um, prior to that, I was all obviously all MDI. Yeah. Um, and I also wear a Dexcom, um, a little bit newer to the Dexcom community. I started last January, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, it really took me a while to kind of come to terms with the fact that I was going to have two things attached to me. Um, and I hear a lot of people say that, uh, it's just, especially I think for women, um, it, it's, it's a thought and it just, for, for whatever reason, it took me a while to be like, all right, I'm going to do this. And I did, and I'm never looking back. That's excellent. Now I, I, I am amazed that you have Omnipod back when it was bigger. I don't, oh, talk, yeah, I don't talk yeah. to a lot of people who have been through that. Ar- Arden was, but I always thought Omnipod was incredibly small. And then one day they actually made it smaller and I was like, oh, look at that. Yes. Uh, Right? Oh, that was an amazing transition. I, I couldn't even believe because it was it's significantly smaller from the original one. Right. Um, in but, terms of, you know, insulin pumps. So, yeah, that was that was awesome. So the I'm going to ask about the Dexcom for a second, though. So adding a second device. So the first mm-hmm. device was OK because it took away shots. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So you're like, all right, I'll make this trade in my head. I don't have to do injections anymore. Mm-hmm. But then the second one, you can't really know the benefit of it till you live with it. I guess like people yeah. can explain to you. Like, you know, I try, you know, every other episode, you hear me go like the Dexcom G6, blah, blah. And I'm, I say all these things about they're absolutely amazing, but they still just sound like they sound salesy. You know what I mean? You know, like you won't have to do this anymore. You won't have to do it until you don't have to do it anymore. You're like, right. oh, fantastic. You know? Uh, yeah, it takes away so many of those obligations. Um, testing, obviously, I still test occasionally from time to time to double check and do do whatever I need to do. But sure. um, it also adds so much. It just it gives you such a clear picture as to how things affect your blood sugar, which to me was absolutely priceless. I would wear another, (laughs) like I would wear five of them if that's what I had to do to get that information. Because, you know, if you're active and you're running and working out and you love to eat and you eat food, it's amazing to see how things affect you. Yeah. Um, And it's really priceless. It is. You had, you'd had diabetes just long enough through enough different 
moments in your life to really appreciate it once you saw it. It seems absolutely. Like, yeah. That's well, I, I can't say enough about it. I just interviewed a gentleman yesterday from the United Kingdom and he was talking about CGM and he had had diabetes for longer than you, um, mm -hmm. longer than a lot of people. His perspective was really, really amazing. So I, I feel like you're right in that space too. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So, so you're a, like, you're a real adult, like you live with the guy that you're going to get married to now. And you're not like, <laughs> not like me, yeah. like running around like 20 something going like, I'm going to get married. Like they, you're, you like have jobs and all yes. that stuff. Right, right, right. But we do. But how do you end up, how do I end up feeling at the end of the last episode that I really missed out by not asking you about sailing and things like that? Like, how did that start for you? And is that still part of your life now? So there's so many things that I've, I've done just um, like adventurous things throughout my life. Yeah. And a lot of them, I would say at the moment, right, right here and now, they're probably not a huge part of my life anymore. Um, except for one, which would be running and, and long distance running. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been sailing since I've been a little kid. Um, I spent a ton of time on the water sailing and fishing. Um, I spent, um, four and a half months on a semester at sea during high school. Um, that's a whole other, that's a conversation we can have if you want to. Oh, we're going to have it right now. That. I don't understand any of that. Like you're in New Jersey, so you're near the ocean. That I understand. Yeah. Um, yep. but you're in high school semester at sea. Were you not at a real high school? Was it like, no, I was. So yeah. I'm from, uh, can I say where I'm from? I mean, it's, up to, it's your <laughs> life. You can say whatever you want. Yeah. I'm from Point Pleasant. So okay. it is a, a beach town. And I went to high school, Point Pleasant Borough High School. So totally normal high school, public school. When I was a freshman, I had um, I saw an ad for this program called Ocean Classroom. And it was through a college up in New England, out of Maine. And I said, gosh, this is something that I would just love to do. I, I always felt in high school, there was just something more out there. I was always just looking for something else and looking for the next adventure, next challenge, however you want to put it. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I clipped the article and brought it to my parents and I said, I I'm interested in this. Let's, can we look into it? So after a couple of weeks of researching and talking to ocean classroom, we really decided that, yeah, I I'm going to do this. And it was, Something that my my parents had to pay for. Um, there was tuition, but I got high school credit for it, so it was totally accredited program. And I spent January to the end of May on a 131 foot wooden schooner called the Harvey Gamage. We sailed over 5,000 miles up. Actually, we started in the Caribbean. We spent about two months in the Caribbean, and then sailed up the East coast to as far North as Maine. And then we ended in Boston and we made stops all along the way. Okay. I have a lot of questions. Um, yeah. your parents really wanted to get rid of you. That's the first thing I'm hearing. <laughs> you were a problem. <laughs> no, no, I was not. I was not. I'm an only child. Oh, they had and extra they money. Are, yeah. they're, they're, they're great. Yeah. I mean, they were super supportive and I'm sure people are like, oh my gosh, so spoiled. It, it's not like that. No, no, no. I, mean, I don't feel like that. I feel like it's more than supportive. And I'm all, I'm just me I'm mesmerized by how old you are. I mean, I'm trying to think if Arden's 16, 17 as a junior, then she was 
15, 16 as a sophomore, that made her 14. Like, were you 14 or 15 years old at that point? Yeah, I was, it was 2003. So I was, I should have been about 15, I think. And were you with other students or do you now have like a 65 year old husband? Like what is happening exactly? (laughs) Yes, I was with other students. Okay. So we had to, uh, there were 23 students on the ship. I was one of 23 and they were all from all over the United States. Um, We had students, a majority of them were from the East coast, of course, from new England. So there were, there was like a big grouping of people from Massachusetts, Maine, um, Connecticut, New Hampshire. And then um, we had a couple people. I think we had a a person from Florida, Alaska, Montana. Um, So all total strangers we all had to go through an application process. So we applied and waited for an acceptance and we we got it. And we basically got booklets of information. This is what we need you to do. This is what you have to do. This is what you have to pack. There was a lot of communication for preparation beforehand. And uh, then we flew down to St. Thomas, got on the boat and basically took off from there. <laughs> Um, and it's a working boat or it wasn't yeah. like a pleasure cruise, right? Oh, no, it no. was not a pleasure cruise. There- it was totally, yeah, it was a working schooner. We, we had three shifts. So we would have, um, you know, a, a watch, B watch and, and C watch. Gvoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages 2 and above. Not only is Gvoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. And then, of course, we had we had a crew who also doubled as our instructors. So we had a fully staffed crew. I honestly, I should have looked into this, but I think there were probably about 10 or 11 of them. Um, and then it was us. So, Is yeah, that- we we worked every aspect of the ship, sales, rigging, deck duties, cleaning, cooking, um, navigation, celestial navigation, um, steering, every single part of this boat we were a part of. And um, there were no showers. So <laughs> we spent, uh, you know, you, you can imagine two months in the Caribbean. It's you're on the ocean. It's so salty and humid and just absolutely, um, I mean, just super uncomfortable. Um, we would literally just jump over the side of the boat, get some saltwater sudsing shampoo and take a shower that way. <laughs> Occasionally I'm talking maybe like once a week. Um, is there any, and- is there any chance that a boat tricked your parents into paying them to use you as free labor? <laughs> I think there's a possibility okay. there. <laughs> because is this pre-internet? Like when you said you researched it, like you meant 
you made phone calls and read brochures and stuff, right? Yeah, this was like ancient times, right? Yeah, you <laughs> so. didn't go on Reddit and say like, hey, does anybody know if this is just a elaborate way to steal my kid? Like nothing like yes. that. Did yeah, you, it was you- it was totally I fa- I read about it in a magazine and everything. Yeah, everything was done via <clears throat> mail and we had email, obviously, but um, yeah, nothing really online. You can't go to any forums or anything like no. that. So. Wow, that seems like such a leap of faith to me. But I guess at that moment it wasn't really. It was um it was something that is is life-changing. Yeah, I would and imagine. It's when you're going through it, and I had I had so many difficult times. As much as I loved traveling and and doing exciting things and seeing new things and getting out of my comfort zone, I was homesick a lot. I mean, it was not comfortable. Um, so it's like, Oh gosh, I wish I could just go and take a shower and get in my bed. And, but every single one of those moments that those struggles just built upon itself. And by the time I left, I, I just was like, I could do anything. That's how I felt. And from that point forward, that's literally how I feel every day and how I live my life. Yeah. Did any of the kids like like what would happen if you gave up? Could you just not? Well, I I think there's certain circumstances that you know they they don't want you to do that. Obviously, they they don't want you to to give up and and go home and forget about it because part of the experience is pushing through those times. That's how you become a you know a better person, I guess. But. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure if it was something you were really struggling or just not well, or obviously if it's affecting your health or something like that. Yeah, of course. I mean, you could, you could leave any time. Um, but I, we didn't have, we had nobody. How we do you had leave? Nobody that did that. What do they tie, like tie a tire to your ass and throw you in the water? Like, I mean, how do you leave, you leave a boat? They t- like- <laughs> yeah, you, you don't. I mean, and a lot of those countries we were in almost, every island in the Caribbean and so many of them are really like third world world countries. Some don't have internet. Some barely have actually one of them had just gotten electricity um, maybe a year before we, we were there. So yeah, there, there's really not an easy way. And of course not a cheap way to get back. So that's another hurdle too. Tell me what year this was again. This was 2003. Wow. See, when you're telling the story, it feels like it feels like you're going to say, oh, this was 1982. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, but this was not that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. Um, well, I mean, when I think about it now, I'm like, wow, I can't believe 2003 was 20 years like, ago. It feels like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. But no, in reality, it's not it's not that long. Wait till you start having the experience where you see uh, a little advertisement and it's like, your favorite movie from when you were 19. They're like, it's the 25th anniversary of Pulp Fiction. You're like, wait, oh. what? No, it isn't. <laughs> this is not true. Stop. <laughs> uh, oh. You don't want to, you know, trust me, it's not fun. Uh, no. But, but okay, so so you have diabetes. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's then, 2003, what's your management like then? I was MDI. Mm-hmm. and um. When I got on the ship, when I started, I was using Humalog and NPH um, N insulin. I guess that was the long, 
longer acting insulin. Right. So um, I was mixing insulins and, and testing and taking shots that way. And I distinctly remember um, at some point about halfway through the trip, we were somewhere along the East coast of the United States in port. And um, we had gotten some kind of correspondence saying uh, we want, um, we want Lindsay to switch to La- uh, to Lantis. <laughs> and everybody was like, who, who the hell's, why we're in the middle of a semester at sea who wants to change the medication right and you know it's just like at that time i was like well what's the worst that can happen you know let's let's give it a shot you know maybe maybe i won't jump off the side of the boat the first day that i'm going on lantis and you know put myself in a super vulnerable position but um we did it halfway through and that was that was great i mean that opens up a little bit more flexibility and just management. I have to imagine that people listening right now who are like, who are like, Oh, I want to switch insulins, but I, you know, is Fiat that much different than Novolog or something? <laughs> like, you people are in your houses making this decision. You're at home on land. Lindsay was 15 <laughs> on a boat, basically yeah. being worked to death, praying that she wasn't about to be sold into, you know, child slavery. And, um, and you, oh my God. And they're just like, let's th- go from old timey insulin to a fast acting insulin, which works completely differently than the insulin you were on prior. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different. I didn't have much information on it. Um, I remember somebody telling me it was like more like having an insulin pump, right? So it offered a lot, a lot longer coverage um, for that, that basal. Uh, but I, I, I mean, I, I had no idea. And, and yeah, I mean, if people are listening and and they're like, "Oh, should I do this? Should I not do this?" Well, I mean, maybe, maybe you should try it because <laughs> you you can do it. You maybe can you try should it toughen and- up and get on a boat and then do it when you're 15. Like, yes, this do it at sea. Badass person who's with me today because I that's fascinating. There is no one listening. I would not change Arden's insulin while she was away from me. Yeah, like I just wouldn't. But there was. Wow. And and your parents didn't just like send you a text. They had to like contact a place where they knew you were going to be once you were on land. <laughs> it's, it's- yeah. So we had a pretty, I guess, pretty antiquated system of communication. The boat had a satellite phone and the boat could make calls for really anything, but mm-hmm. we tried to avoid doing that if at all possible. So um, most of the communication was done through mail and people could send us letters or information or postcards or anything. And um, the boat would have designated mail pickup spots at certain locations that that was available. So we got a lot of, I got a lot of postcards and things from friends and family. And I, um, I also sent back, I had a, like an old school camcorder with me <laughs> and uh, I sent back videos of just certain things that I was doing on the, on the ship, which actually my high school played for the entire school um, most mornings before class started. So that's, that was kind of cool. They call those proof of life videos, by the way. Yes. Yeah. She's still alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you have to hold up a newspaper? <laughs> I mean, where would you get a newspaper? But never. <laughs> um, hey, hey, was this whole thing, was it a big hookup? How? Well, you know, like working in a restaurant. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, 
No. You're pretty young at 15. I'm just wondering. Yeah. Like, it didn't turn into like, like teenage Caligula or something like that. You it guys were not. just working this boat. No, it, it totally did not. Wow. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was one of the youngest. We had a lot of students who were juniors and seniors. Mm-hmm. So there were there were kids who were a little bit older. Um, but the the entire thing was super professional and super I don't want to say regimented, but it, it has to be. When you're working a ship and you're working together, you have to have pretty strict rules and guidelines and things to follow or else people are just going to lose it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, obviously things have to happen. I, I know next to nothing about being on the ocean, but I'm assuming things have to happen or boats go in wrong directions or bad things happen with water being where they're not supposed to be yes. and stuff like that. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of safety things, a lot of, a lot of protocol and uh, a lot of learning. I mean, we learned so much. We spent a lot of our time um, in in class, and class would consist of uh, us sitting up on the deck together, learning about um, math, science, English, um, history, but all kind of location based. So if we were in a certain island, we would be learning um, some sort of history about that location. Um, if we were doing math, we would be doing celestial navigation um, with a sextant and, and, you know, all sorts of different other tools. So, uh, yeah, that was a big part of it too, because we were getting credit for it. So uh, we had to learn. (laughs) That's really, I I find this absolutely mesmerizing and I'm Googling (laughs) like schooner and things like that so that I can see what you're like. Did you ever have to shoot a cannonball at anybody? Actually we did. We had a small cannon. Um, we didn't shoot cannonballs. (laughs) But we we did have a small cannon that we would shoot off if um, like one of our sister ships was nearby. Uh, there were a couple different ceremonies that that would be appropriate for, and I I don't remember what they were. But um, yeah, we we did all all sorts of stuff. Um, hey, may I interject for a second for everybody yeah. who heard me ask the question and then thought in your head that's such a stupid question, Scott. Don't be silly. I got an answer out of that. So this is why you ask stupid questions, because at some point somebody's going to like, oh, yeah, we had a cannon. Because <laughs> I didn't think you had a cannon when I asked you that. Uh, it's just oh, yeah. the boat looks like a pirate ship. So, you know. Yeah. Um, I Okay. So you, this is for five months. Is that right? Almost, yeah. Almost it was, five it months. It was about four and a half months. Yep. You get back. Does everything about being a kid seem trivial now? Yes. Okay. <laughs> So, I mean, I would imagine, right? Like you had seen and done things that just aren't going to happen again. I, I would think Tuesday in social studies, you'd be like, oh, uh-oh, yeah. this sucks. Yeah. Okay. You set an expectation up for life to be vigorous and challenging. Absolutely. Okay. It, it, it always, it pushed everything out. So I was like, wow, I could literally do, I could do anything. And if you've ever seen the movie Castaway, mm-hmm. he's he's on the island, he makes it, he gets home, and he's like playing with like the light switch or something in the bedroom. He's like, he doesn't know what to do with himself, right? He's been totally immersed in this environment that took so much just adaptation and, and so much mental fortitude 
And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we have electricity. Like yeah. we have running water. We have a shower. I have clean sheets. Um, and it sounds kind of silly, but it's even after four and a half months, it was a little bit of a readjustment getting back home. Yeah, I would imagine. I, I mean, it's the first thing I wondered when, when you told me how long it was. I thought like yeah. a week or two is, a, is you know, like a fun vacation. But once two months turns into three months, turns into four months, now this is what you're doing. And I imagine things have come, came up during that time that were not exactly, you know, I'm sure they were perilous to some degree and needed to be dealt with. And then, I mean, and then cleaning your room and doing the laundry probably seems pretty... Yeah. Mundane, yeah. And it, it know? really, it put, it put it into perspective for me. And I'm sure a lot of people will agree for people who are in the military that are deployed mm-hmm. and see combat and deal with all sorts of different things or anything like that. Any, any kind of situation where you're, you're away, you're working hard, you're pushing the limits and especially people who are away for so long and then they come back. I mean, I couldn't even imagine if I was if I was gone for four years. Right. Um, it, I, I the adjustment must be absolutely incredible. Yeah, because that um, boat is difficult. that boat starts to become home. Absolutely. Yeah, and all the yeah. things that you have to do and the people you do it with, it's it's the quick ad- adaptation. It, it's kind of one of the great things about being a person is it how quickly mm-hmm. you can adapt to things if you if you are willing and or and or don't have the opportunity to say no to it. Um, yeah, you know, just can't fight it. Really, I guess is the idea. You can't fight it. You 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 have to adapt, and yeah, that's what we're made to do. And and we did. We all do it. We all can do it um, with a little bit of, um, I guess, training of the brain and just you know dealing with it. And yeah, you'll make it through. Right. Absolutely. So, what did that lead to then? What what's the next adventure you took after that? So I. Um, after that, I, I can't think of a specific adventure right after that. You didn't go to but, Mars or anything? No, no, I did not. I did not. Not yet. Um, after that, though, I had so much sea time. Uh, and that's time, actually documented time on the ocean. I went and got my captain's license um, from the U.S. Coast Guard. So it took a little while. I also had to, I had to take classes. I had to go through um, a lot of different training. And I did that with the help of, you know, being able to sail here and knowing a lot of people with boats here in New Jersey. Um, So I did that. I, uh, when I was 18, yeah, 18, I got my my first captain's license. It's called a six pack license. So you can take out six people for hire um, on a limited size boat. And then when I was 19, I ended up upgrading to what's called a hundred ton master's captain's license. And, um, that was awarded to me as well because I had so much time and experience on the water. And, um, that was something that, I mean, diabetes related dealing with the United States coast guard and their application process, um, being a diabetic, was actually really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, it was quite a task. Lots of proving and reproving and doctor's notes and things like that. Or yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they're giving you a piece of paper that is saying that you are responsible for 
lives of, you know, so many people up to a hundred nautical miles out to sea. And they want to know that you're not going to go low and pass out. Um, they want to know that your vision is um, where it should be. And there's a lot of risk in, in doing that for them. And I do understand that, right. but um, I was successful um, in doing that. I, I actually had to provide all of my medical records um, from when I was a kid up until that point and just write endless amounts of uh, um, blood sugar logs and explanations and everything. Hmm. What did you end up doing with the license? Did you <laughs> start fishing the oceans or? No, no, no I didn't. No, just... I, actually, I still have it. Um, I still have it. I still, I still record my sea time. Anytime I'm out, I still, you know, keep a record of it. So that's how I keep my license active. Um, but I don't have a career doing um, pirate things. <laughs> Was it just? I sell real estate. <laughs> Was it just one of those? Th- I sell real estate. Um, <clears throat> Was it just one of those things that? You had the time and you were a kid and it was another thing to try to accomplish. And so you just kept, it's almost like playing soccer your whole life. And then one day just going, I'm not going to play soccer anymore. Yeah, I definitely wanted to. It was a huge accomplishment that I wanted to, um, you know, take on. And just to prove it. I, there was also a point in time where I thought, well, maybe, maybe I could do something like this for a living. Um, I'd love, I love to teach sailing. I would love to have a business like that. Um, you know, something along those lines, but, um, I never ended up doing anything like that. And at this point, it's something that I have a decent amount of knowledge about that will only make me a better boater, (laughs) you know, like if I'm out with a friend or on, on our future sailboat that we wish to get, um, it, it just, it only adds to the, you know, being a, being able. I think it's amazing to have a comfort level around something like that. I don't think I'm, if, if I'm going to be honest, let me think. I don't think I'm comfortable more than about, I'm going to say 40 yards off the coast. Yeah, that's pretty okay. Much, yeah, that's about where my comfort level ends. Um, <laughs> like when you said you jumped in the water to bathe, I was like, why would anyone do that? <laughs> I know. It's such a weird thing too, because you're like, wow, it's it could be so deep underneath your yeah. your feet. Well, yeah, the sharks, that's all I was really thinking about. <laughs> So, yeah. How many people have you seen uh, killed by sharks? None. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, I don't want. I don't want to see any. No, no, no. I just imagine it happened every day. Like one of the kids fell over. And like, oh, there goes Jill. Boom. Yeah, you know, there, like, there she goes. There she. Oh, bye, Jill. Uh, no, I understand that's not how it works. It's just that unknown darkness thing is. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A little more than my brain can um, can wrap itself around. I actually thought I was going to die. Uh, very close to St. Thomas once uh, while snorkeling because you said you flew into St. Thomas. So uh, once or twice in my life, I vacationed in St. John, which is uh, Mm -hmm. an island right nearby. And my my son and I were snorkeling and this mass came at us. And I'm, I'm, I'm not over exaggerating that the mass looked like it might be 25 or 30 feet across and high. And it was kind of round. And I thought, Oh, I didn't know an animal this big existed we're all going to die. And it was coming at us. And we were like, you know, he was younger, but I'll say he was clutching me, but you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe I was holding on to him as well. And, Aww. and, it, but it was a school of puffer fish, but at a slight distance, it looked like <gasps> one mass. Now, once it came past me, I was like, this is beautiful. And yeah. Was, and they're adorable. <laughs> oh, and then I soaked it in and we swam with them for a little bit. And then I got right back to the beach. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's scary. You don't know what's out there. What, well, that's what I'm saying. So you just like that's how dirty you had to be to jump in the water is what I'm thinking. <laughs> You're like, this is yeah, worth you, it. I'm getting in. You, you kind of yeah, you you have to. <laughs> you have to. But it is, it's something like you really don't have to. I mean, you, you could, you'd be fine if you didn't shower like every day. Now I'm showering every day now, but. Oh, now, yeah, you're up on it now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Were you yeah, at- I said the God. trip turned me into like a little bit of a princess. If we travel, I'm like, I only want a really nice hotel. It's got to have a really nice bathroom. <laughs> like I've done I don't this need already. to already. Yeah, yeah. I'm not cleaning out my bits in the ocean again. Thank you. Uh, Mm -hmm. Were you an anomaly on that trip as far as medical issues or were there other people similar? Yeah, I was the only type one. Um, I'm not sure. I think they, they have had several type ones through the years. Um, But yeah, I was the only one on our trip. And, you know, of course there were a couple other people who had to take prescription medication Mm -hmm. from time to time for, um, whatever migraines or something like that. But other than that, uh, yeah, I was, I was, um, working with one of the crew. Um, her name's charity. She was an amazing woman. She was an RN and also, uh, somebody who had spent a lot of time on the water sailing and she and I worked together every day. I would go and meet her and test and she would keep track of everything. And she would help me just kind of manage as best as possible. And I don't think I had any real issues um, with management. I did. I never had any serious lows or serious highs. It was all pretty, pretty well, well done, yeah. I guess. Even with the transition to the other insulin. Mm-hmm. What was yep. the, is, is this company still like, do they still do this? Yeah, they do. And I actually follow them on Instagram. They, um, they just posted today that they were right off of our coast. Um, right off of the New Jersey coast. So they do shorter term trips. Um, they'll do like a trip from Florida to Maine and they'll do it a lot faster than, um, our trip was done maybe in like the course of a month or so. Um, but they take high school and college kids out, um, for all these experiences. Do you think that a lot of those people turn into people who work on the water as adults or is this just like a floating hippie commune for kids? What is this exactly? (laughs) Um, That's a really good question. So I'm sure a lot of people are kind of driven to do something like that. If you love being on the ocean, if you love living near the ocean, then yeah, you may end up doing something that involves that. Um, But I know just from keeping, keeping in touch with a lot of the people that I was on the, on the boat with, um, one works for a sailing magazine. One's a professional skier. Um, a lot of people have, you know, financial positions and all sorts of different stuff. So it's cool to see everybody, you know, doing their own thing. And I feel like all of those people are also all out doing new stuff. They're they're not staying in a comfort zone. They're always kind of looking for the next thing. Right. That's really fascinating. I genuinely, um, I can't wrap my head around it, but I think that's just how I grew up, you know? (laughs) So everything you've said so far in my mind makes you eligible to be institutionalized. (laughs) 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 But, uh, but it's fascinating. And I really, I, I, there's part of me that wishes that it sounded to me like, oh my gosh, yes, let's do something like that right away. Um, but I'm, it's, you've always been like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 
Honestly, I think I have that sort of drive and curiosity from being a type one. I, I just diagnosed at six years old. It literally almost meant nothing to me. I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is life now, whatever. And it's always presented challenges that I've obviously had to overcome. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, it's kind of the same concept. All right, well, we made it through that. Let's, you know, what's the next thing? What's next. And then it becomes just things become normal. Not, I don't want to say problems, but any kind of like next, uh, next adventure, next challenge is the same premise. Speed bumps, right? Something yeah. happens. You're just like, okay, we'll take care of this. And then we'll go to the next thing. And, and, but that yeah. still takes a special person. I mean, somebody who's, I don't know, fine tuned for that kind of experience, because there are plenty of people who would get diabetes when they were six and grow up and just be burdened by it the entire time. Right. Did your parents do anything? I'm, I'm, it's so hard for me to imagine your parents as being valuable because it seems like they were just like, what do you want to do? Yeah, sure. Goodbye. Uh, but <laughs> I'm sure they weren't like that. Like, what did they do for your diabetes in your room? Oh my gosh. My mom, both my mom and dad um, were super involved in, in my care. Um, they weren't, they never hovered over me. So they never, you know, they, they were never like, Oh, you need to report back to me about this and that never was it like that. But somehow they found a balance of just being able to, um, guide me, I guess, even as a six-year-old. Um, so yeah, my mom was involved with getting my friends involved and, and, you know, helping, helping me figure out the right ways and the wrong ways to do things and, and, you know, solving those problems. Um, back then though, really it was, I, I end up saying this a lot, but like, it's, if Lindsay gets dizzy, make sure she eats something. Like it was that kind of thing, regular and MPH t- days, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. Uh, you know, do you not feel right? Um, if you don't feel right, you have to go down to the nurse or tell your friends, um, and, you know, just say something, don't wait until you, you can't say something. And yeah, when you're so little, and I don't know if this is all kids, I really don't, I don't, we don't have children of our own yet, but I was so little and I was like, all right, well, that, that sounds fine to me. I'll, I'll do that. Um, it wasn't like I, I didn't want to do it. Um, I always wanted to try and just be better. Um, and, and learn as much as I could about it. Um, and I've, there's, there were times in my life, especially as a teenager where I was like, I don't, I hate this. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. We all, we all get, get to that spot, but, um, you know, it would, it would work itself out. And then you're like, okay, I, I, no, (laughs) I need to do this. I'm going to die. (laughs) There's a good reason. Um, do you think that, the the ideas that are used now for management they're more specific and the outcomes are more easily tracked through things like variability and a1c and stuff like that um do you think that it was easier as a child because that wasn't part of it yes yeah and the expectation was just it's it's kind of it's interesting because it's it's one of those ideas that gives with one hand takes away with the other because Mm -hmm. it's easier because they didn't have the ability to to be finer with with decisions 
mm-hmm. and at the same time many more people were having worse long-term outcomes because of it yeah but you got to just go out on that boat like it was nothing yeah and that goes for everything when i was little when i think back about it um there was there you weren't given a lot of details so even if i was testing six or seven times a day which was probably pretty normal yeah um you weren't given the whole picture and in not getting the whole picture you're you're okay with what you're seeing then it's it's done you don't have to think about it anymore um so there's a lot less stress and kind of there's a little bit of more detachment to that um those specifics but now i mean i'm checking my dexcom all the time Every, every, I couldn't even tell you how many times I check it in a day. My endocrinologist asks me when I go to see her and I'm like, I don't know, maybe a hundred. <laughs> I have no idea. It's a lot. We got to get your, you, we got to get your alarm somewhere where you can, tr- where you don't look if it's not beeping. So where's yeah, your, I, actually, I turn my alarms off and I, I just, I, I mean, I have my, my goal range pretty tight. Um, but I turn my alarms off and I just, I just look, takes it takes a millisecond. Look, all right, done. You just, now, you that's know, how you stay in it like that. And that, and that's good for you. So if it works, then it works and that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, okay. Ready? Well, let's make up a scenario. You and this okay. boy make a baby. <clears throat> it grows up 15 years old. It has diabetes. It's wearing a CGM an insulin pump and your made up son or daughter says, I want to go to St. Thomas, get on a boat, and then sail back to Maine. I'm going to be gone for five months. You go, yes or no? Go ahead. Be honest. So I we would obviously discuss it together. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I would feel confident in that happening. How do you yeah. keep insulin cold on a boat? Oh, that's a good question. We had, what did we have? We had some kind of refrigeration system. Um, you think it and had a I small think, generator I, of the boat, maybe? We did. We had a generator. Electricity, okay. Um, but I, I think my insulin was actually just kept in a cooler bag that we changed out the like freezer packs to hmm. as much as we needed to. Okay. So you were on top of that as well. Mm-hmm. That probably felt a little dire, right? Because if it, I mean, you must have thought if it gets warm, it's gone. And where am I going to get more from? So I don't think I was actually thinking about that at that time. <laughs> Lindsay, is it, I, is, is it possible I should call this, this episode ignorance is bliss? <laughs> yes, yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I don't think I, I'm sure my parents thought about that and, and the crew and the, you know, the nurse Someone that was, was there. I got you. I'm sure it was planned out. Yeah. But not you. I got, I thought in my mind it was tied to a fish and then, the, <laughs> and then the fish was tied to the boat. And then that's, I don't know why you'd have to put the fish in the line. I just, that's how it was in my head. And, <laughs> you know, I guess because of the little mermaid, I thought maybe the fish would just stay with you, keep the insulin in a cooler part of the ocean and Aww. then come up when you wouldn't that have been nice. Horrible. Yeah, that's, I love that. In my cartoon, that's how it happens. Um, I love it. I'd watch that. Of course you would. But <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to imagine putting Arden. I, I think the five months thing. Okay. Right. I could figure that out. Mm-hmm. The distance thing. 
okay, in my mind, it's the boat part. Right. And I know that's not sensible, but that's the part well, that sticks with me. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. I mean, that, that that's a huge variable, um, but it's still you're still going to manage basically the same way. Mm. You're still going to do the best you can and be mindful and use the tools that you have. And you know, it's it would be different if somebody was like, oh, "I'm going to put you on a on a desert island." Um, with, you know, limited supplies. All right. Well, that's probably not going to work, but yeah, it, it can be done. And, you know, if we, if we have a baby who's type one, like the thought of that doesn't really scare me. And although that may change right now, if I think about it, it's just like another challenge, right? So we need to, we need to figure this out. Um, and we will. It's amazing. If <laughs> all I can think during this whole thing is about all the people I've seen over all of the years say like, we're going on vacation and I'm so scared. <laughs> I don't know what to pack. <laughs> and they're going to Disney or they're going to, you know, yeah, like, we're going to the beach for two days. I'm so worried about diabetes. And you're just like, I got on a boat. I was there for five <laughs> months. You know, I couldn't really wash myself anyway. It was fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, we did. We did fine. We did the best we could, and that's it. It's just and, such a really great well. message in this that um, that I hope is coming through, you know, uh, and and what it left you with, and it's carried with you. It seems like your whole life, like that. There's this idea that nothing could happen to you that you couldn't figure out because you got put into a situation where you had to learn a bunch of stuff you didn't know while you were basically abandoned on a floating death trap. Because, yeah. <laughs> because seriously, for anyone who doesn't think boat and then their next thought isn't boat could leak, I'll die, I don't understand your thought process. <laughs> <laughs> um, that could be in anything, though. Oh, sure, plane. Plane gets hole in it. Yeah. I die. No, no, I've <laughs> I've gone through all of it. Don't worry. Car, car crashes into something. I die. <laughs> Don't worry. I've got it all worked out. I'm not saying live a life of fear. I'm just right. saying I, I've been on a ship. I've been out in the ocean. Um, I've, you know, I've been in airplanes. I will go on an airplane again very soon. Um, you know, that I'm not scared. I don't do it. But it's if that's the first thing you don't consider while you're considering the grand scheme of it, I don't get people yeah. who don't do that. Like the ocean is endless. It, it goes so far down. And there's, no, I know. and there's no oxygen there. I don't know if anyone knows that or not. There's not. <laughs> Zero. Yeah, yeah. It, it is quite daunting. I can't wait for you to have a, a kid who's like real timid and like scared of everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're getting a puppy um, in a couple of weeks and we're like, uh, you know, we're going to get this dog out um, to the beach and on the kayak and everywhere in the pool and with any kind of situation so that we can have a, you know, a dog who's a companion for adventures i think that's a lovely idea i really do <laughs> i think so everyone should start with a test dog yes. <laughs> yeah before before the kid yeah i don't know you're do you think you want do you want children yeah we we do probably not right away although i am 34 so i know you know time maybe a little bit uh 
Yeah, not on my side. You got to be careful. <laughs> I will tell you a daunting story of me planting a bush this week and my hamstring being tight for three days afterwards. So um, <laughs> you have very little time left. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, it was that bad. Well, I mean, I had to bend over a number of times. So, <laughs> yeah, that's tough. <laughs> oh, you have no idea. Uh, and it, it got so uh, like. Two days after, I want to be clear, I was outside all day bending over, not just for one bush. But that doesn't make the story much better, honestly. <laughs> uh, but like a day or so later, it was just so tight. And I said to Arden, I'm like, I'm going to lay down on the floor. Oh, and yeah. you're going to put your knee into my hamstring and yeah. smush it. And as much as I scream, don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> just just keep going and by the time it was over i was just like wailing like a five-year-old it's like i was, like, I was oh, like oh my no. god it hurts so much it hurts so much stop 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 she's like you told me not to stop and i was like get off and it was Is it better now and that really actually helped it a lot yeah so, all right good yeah it was good. like you know and some people use like little massage guns i just i used the massage art and knee i was like there you go jam it in there until i can't feel it anymore and it'll be okay Perfect. Anyway, my point is you're going to get old fast in the in the last, like, in the run-up to 50. It happens really quickly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and if you've got like, a nine, a you got, like, a nine-year-old and he's like, I want to get up early and then I'm going to go do this and I'm going to do that. And you're going to be like, um, I used to be on I once I can't. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure it'll be fine. You're probably in much better shape than... I mean, obviously, most people are in better shape than me, but I, I assume that oh, gosh. you are. Well, you run, right? Like a lunatic, don't you? I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, definitely a huge part of my life. Definitely a huge part of my diabetic life. Um, started running about 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. I woke up one day. I was like, Ugh, I don't like my body. I, I, you know, I need to lose a couple of pounds. I just, I want to feel better. So I just started running. And from that point, I kept going. And eventually you hit a a certain point in running where you get in shape and it becomes a little bit easier and then easier. And it just really just builds on itself. And it's, it's therapeutic for me. Um, And it's great for bringing sugars down. It's great for my management, stress levels, whatever. There's a billion different things. You know, you're like two stories shy of being Forrest Gump. <laughs> so last year, Go ahead. Uh, I, well, actually I've run, I've run a lot of different races, but I, um, I've run a couple of full marathons, um, actually three of them, the New Jersey marathon I've done three times. And then last year when COVID started in March, I was stressed. I was worried about my business and, and, you know, just, it was stressful. So I just went out and I ran and I ran my own marathon alone, 26.2 miles on May 17th. And it was absolutely amazing. (laughs) You're in the Lindsay Invitational. It was literally just me. And, uh, it was awesome. There was nobody, nobody there, nobody knew, nobody cheering me on. And it was, Super cool. Wow. How long does that take? That took me um, just under four hours. It was about three hours and 54 minutes. Wow. And you didn't make, you weren't telling people, you weren't trying to, 
See, you're you're old enough that you didn't try to turn it into an Instagram account and get rich. You're just, <laughs> you're just like I'm going to go for a run. Nobody, nobody else no, needs to see this. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. Wow. I I just told a couple of close friends just in case, like, so they knew I was out. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody could come find you if need be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just just in case. Um, but yeah, and I actually met my mom um, halfway through. She met me for some some energy gels and water and stuff, but. Other than that, I didn't tell anybody. And then I got back and, you know, of course I posted it on social media then, but yeah, um, yeah it was, uh, it was awesome. And those things are totally, totally attainable for anybody as a type one diabetic. See, I'm, what I'm hearing is young people need to hear is that uh, everyone doesn't need to know what you're doing all the time. No one cares. <laughs> just go do your thing. And, and, and it's just as fulfilling when no one knows that you did it. Right. It was more fulfilling doing it in that, in that setting. Okay. I mean, it was just, I, I went out, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have, nobody knew. And it was like relaxing. Of course it was difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, three, almost four hours of running is difficult, but it was, it was amazing. And um, I'm so glad I did it. Yeah. No kidding. That's really cool. Uh, did it carry you for a while through the, the anxiety of, like, cause nobody, I'm assuming nobody was buying or selling their house at the beginning of COVID. It, it did. Yeah. Absolutely. I had a little, uh, well, I had a lot more time off. So that's why I was, I was really able to do that and kind of train for it a little bit. Um, yeah, it absolutely helped. It helped to keep my mind busy. And when I'm sure runners agree, when you're out running, sometimes your mind just shuts off. Sometimes you're solving problems. Sometimes you're whatever talking to yourself. Um, but it's so, uh, yeah, I, I handled a lot of the stress through that, those experiences. And then of course, um, it, it wasn't quite like totally dead, the real estate market, okay. but, um, towards the beginning of May last year, things really, really started to get busy and, uh, it's just gotten absolutely busier and busier since then. It's insane now, right? Like this is, it's approaching, like it would be considered a bubble at some point, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it is. It's incredibly competitive. There's not enough homes on the market. And it's just gotten to the point where it's, it's just, it's crazy. I don't, I don't know if it's really ever been like this. I spoke to a realtor recently, which was just coincidentally, but he told me that he sold a house that he described as terrible. <laughs> and I was like, okay, he goes, he goes, no one deserves to have to live in this house. And I was like, all right. He said, I sold it for $420,000. And to a person coming, trying to like escape the city, they were trying to get out of Brooklyn, I think. Mm -hmm. And he said, the guy came, saw the house and said, okay. And just gave him a check for it. Like, it was just like that. And they, he paid like 20% over what the other offer was. Mm -hmm. and, And the guy just kept reiterating. He goes, no one should have to live in this house. And I was like, okay, he goes, bad house, bad house. And I was like, right. He goes, he goes, but everything's so expensive right now. And the people who want to get out of the city really want to get out of the city. And they have yeah. money because, you know, I mean, this is this is a person who, I mean, for clarity, this is a person who apparently bought a $420,000 house and it was like a steal for them. You, yeah. you know, they were like, yeah. oh, here, take it out of the right pocket of my pants. Like, right. it was kind of like that, right? Um, but still, the guy's like, the, the house is just, it's a disaster. He goes, I don't even know what he'll do with it. Oh, my and gosh. I was like, okay. Yeah. 
but he wanted totally. it that bad. So that's what's happening. People are just getting way more money. But the problem is, if I decide, oh, I'll sell my house, and make a bunch of money, I still have to go buy another house, and then I'm gonna, yeah. and then I'm gonna overpay for that house. Yeah, that's that's a problem. Um, that's a problem as far as just getting somebody avoiding somebody being homeless. Yeah. If somebody wants to sell and make a lot of money, yeah, they're going to be paying a, a lot of money for their new home. Um, but they also, the, the mortgage interest rates are so low. So although you're paying a premium, um, your payment may not always reflect that your monthly payment. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it, it's just, I'd love to see studies on this in the future, just right. how this thing happened. And a lot of these people, there, there's a lot of people here who are moving from the city. Um, but a lot of my clients are people who were quarantined, who are home, they're working from home, they're trying to work out at home. And they're like, man, this house sucks. <laughs> we need a new house. Right. They want and, more space uh, or, or yeah. outdoor stuff. We refinanced during the, I don't know why my voice just broke like that, but we refinanced during COVID and opted to keep our payment the same and knock years off. Okay. So yep. that was, you know, at, but there was such an interest rate reduction that without my, without my payment moving, I think we knocked seven years off the mortgage. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's like, all right, let's do that. You know? Yeah. Good for you. It's like, like something good has got to come out of this. Absolutely. You know? Um, so I was like, all right, let me do that. But yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by that idea because I guess you could sell and then rent until everything goes the other way and then take advantage of somebody's disastrous decision during the bubble, <laughs> which oh, sounds no. horrible. But I guess that's the only w- real way to make money on the sale and not lose it on the purchase. Yeah. Uh, rentals are tough now, too. Really? And I'm sure like New, New Jersey's probably the highest price everything, rental sales, you name it. I mean, people are probably listening from around the country saying 420,000 will get you like a mansion. <laughs> yeah. There's some places here. Yeah. No stuff's expensive. Well, and doesn't New Jersey too have that weird law? Like if you sell your house and leave the state, don't you have to pay a penalty? Yes. And no, okay. there's a lot of stipulations to that. Um, yeah. I mean, whole other conversation, but yeah, there's, there's a, a way there's around a it because I yeah. I am going to get the hell out of here at some point. Are you? <laughs> yeah, I know you were born here, but I wasn't. <laughs> Where do you want to go? Uh, somewhere warm, but not okay. but not humid. Somewhere where it won't snow and where I have some sort of access to the ocean for my wife. Okay. So I don't care where that is, to be perfectly honest, as long as it fulfills those ideas. Sounds good to me. Uh, so, I mean, awesome. I would move to... Like if I was a wealthy person, I would move to a place like Wyoming in the summer and then I would bug the hell out of there before it froze over and go somewhere else. Like if I had my, yeah. per- my perfect scenario would be like, I'm sure all of us, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this like I'm special. I, I would like to chase the weather if I could. Um, but I also, <laughs> yeah. I also, when I think of that in my head, I go until I get so old that one day I'm just like, oh, I'll just sit here and freeze. Never mind. I don't feel like making the trip. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> You have no idea what's about to happen to you in the next 15 years. <laughs> oh, gosh. It sounds it sounds tough. <laughs> I, I It's not, yeah, it's not unpleasant. I like being older better than I like being younger. Okay. But I would like to be able to ship how I felt when I was younger into my knowledge from when I was older. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, and I don't know that's not going to happen. So I'm just going <laughs> to wither away with all these thoughts in my head. 
uh, oh no, you're old. doing you're doing amazing things. So oh, I stop. you should be proud of yourself. Oh, you're very nice. I would. Um, that's I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> of course. All right. Um, I'm gonna let you out of this. I appreciate you doing this twice with me. I think you might be the only one I've ever done something twice with. But you floated on a boat for five months, and I was like, that can't be something we don't find out more about. So um, I think <laughs> awesome. you're. I think you're kind of amazing for doing that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know. Oh. Uh, even though well, I, I imagine at that age, you didn't think so, right? You just thought like, this is cool. And I don't have to go to high school for five months. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It was more amazing <laughs> than you thought. So. Oh, well, so. thank you so much. I'm, I'm glad to be back. And I I appreciate, again, everything that you're doing with the podcast. It's it's awesome. Oh, I'm and glad. the Facebook page. Isn't that nice? How nicely yeah. we, we got a little something, a little bonus out of the podcast on that Facebook page. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm pretty thrilled with that. There it it is so um repetitive for me. It's not for other people. It is for mm-hmm. me. Like because new people come in and they ask questions and like there's this little bit of me. You should see me. Like I'll see it pop up and I'll think I'm going to answer that if no one else does. But oh my god, I hope someone else answers this. <laughs> because I I am not a full-time like like I'm not dear Abby. You know what I mean? Like yeah. but but you you there's so much traffic in there. There is. It could be. And I looked at it the other day. Like, I looked in on it a couple of times the other day. And I was like, oh, look, somebody's got celebrating. I said, congratulations. I see a question I can answer fully with one I'll answer. Sometimes I see questions where I'm like, oh, I could I could ask another question that would make people think a little bit. Like, I'll do stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I realized the other day, like, I can't keep up with this page. Like, it's yeah. just, it, it, it would be a full-time job. Like, you'd have to pay somebody to stare at it 24 hours a day to keep up with what's happening on it. It's I'm really sure. fascinating. So um, That's awesome. It perpetuates itself and keeps itself alive, so I'm happy with Absolutely. that. Absolutely. But anyway, I appreciate you appreciating it. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. I want to thank everybody again for buying me a cup of coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash juice box podcast. And also want to remind you that the diabetes pro tip and other episodes are all listed for you right there at juiceboxpodcast.com. Just scroll down. It's all there. All right, here comes the music. Boom, 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 boom. The Harvey Gamage. No kidding, right? They just put their kid on a schooner. It's like a boat made out of wood and just they're like, hey, good luck, don't die. I can't I can't get enough of this story. Um, I should say something meaningful here. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast. How was that? Pretty good? <laughs>